Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths they are linked to. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's been a huge success so far, and uh, we're very thankful for that, very thankful for that. And Seton started this whole ball rolling more than a year ago when she started following uh, the, the Bodie accident that we'll be talking more about in just a moment. So thank you guys so much. Keep rating and commenting and sharing so uh, more and more people can uh, hear the podcast. And if you want to chime in about things you know or hear, reach out to us. For those who haven't binged to the beginning of this, I will run down a quick, quick rundown for you. And then you can go back and, and listen. There's a couple of episodes uh, about the Stephen Smith hit and run that occurred in 2015 which was ruled a hit and run, I should say, in 2015. But there's questions about whether that was really a hit and run by people involved and authorities. And it has since been reopened because of information they found with the murders of the two Murdochs uh, just a few short weeks ago. So I'm going to go back to that in a second. So 2015, you have a Stephen Smith alleged hit and run. And then we move on in the Murdoch family connection to the 2018 accident where Gloria Satterfield, believed to be the housekeeper of the Murdochs, falls and dies. There's no, again, any of these things we're telling you in the timeline, there's no charges, there's no one indicted on most of these until we get to the boating accident. Uh, that, but just the Murdochs have some connection. And you can go back and, and see what that is. 2018, Gloria Satterfield, the housekeeper, falls and dies somewhere on their property. 2019 is the boating accident, which we're going to dive deeper into in a moment, where Mallory Beach is killed and Paul Murdoch is charged with three felonies. And then on June 7th, 2021, Alec Murdoch finds his wife Maggie and his son Paul dead, murdered at their hunting property in South Carolina. So that is where, like a, a brief synopsis of the timeline. As I said, you can go back and, and listen to those podcasts about each of those individual events. Now, news has come out about the boat crash that happened in February of 2019, more than what we had just reported on in one of the previous episodes. And a lot of this is coming to the forefront because one of Connor Cooks, who was one of the passengers on the boat, the 17-foot boat that was carrying six passengers that crashed into the bridge uh, in Archer's Creek near Paris Island, where Mallory Beach was flung from the boat and went missing. Eventually, the body was found. Eventually, as I said, Paul was charged with felonies. Obviously, that case came to an end when Paul was murdered, but Connor Cooks attorneys are looking into the case to determine if there was collusion uh, and trying to blame Connor for driving the boat. Was there a cover-up? Was it not an appropriate investigation? And all those things as they look to head towards some sort of civil suit, possibly, and maybe even a state indictment on the Murdochs for uh, part of a conspiracy. That's down the road. So 
Seton brings us new information, thanks to the Freedom Information Act FOIA, that DNR was forced to release. They came out a week ago. Uh, we've been sifting through all this stuff. We're getting more. We'll probably have another uh, episode once we get through all of the documents. Uh, let's begin this episode, other than what I just told you, begin the episode with what we know about the day and evening of the fatal boat crash that killed Mallory Beach, where Paul Murdoch of the very influential and famous Murdoch family was charged with three felonies and the boating accident now under investigation to see if there was any conspiracy, any cover-up, uh, just a messy investigation, etc. So what do you want to, uh, let's set the scene here a little bit. Let's go with that, Seton. Okay, so... As you mentioned, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources released information this week, which gave more of a detailed timeline. The first thing was a timeline of what occurred that night because the boat actually had a Garmin satellite. So you can actually see exact times of where they were, like when they arrived at the oyster roast and when they arrived at different places. One thing looking at this timeline that I find really interesting is at... They left the party at 12.11 a.m., and the boat almost collided with the Woods Swing Bridge at 12.35 a.m., which we had mentioned prior to the fatal boating accident that they had almost run into a sailboat. So they All right. had two near, near misses, misses before running into the bridge. Right. So I found that kind of interesting. Um, they also released some surveillance video from Luther's uh, bar where they were prior to the boating accident. It shows Connor and Paul taking shots. Um, they also have... And it was just, the, I, if I remember right, and you can go back to the other episode and listen, but correct me, they, they might have been the only two that went drinking, right? The other they, ones were... They were the only at two. That, at that their, time. Their two girlfriends at the time came back and retrieved them from the bar, but they were the only two in the bar actually drinking, and the, they both yeah. took, I think, a Jägermeister shot and a lemon drop shot, which I didn't even know Jägermeister was still around. <laughs> kind of made yeah. my stomach hurt. And so, because we know that from previous reports, and again, you can go back and listen to some of this, but a bunch of the people on the boat, a few of the people on the boat, wanted to get home. And it was Paul and Connor who went into the bar and did the shots. Like some people were like, one of the girls had to work the next day, et cetera, right? They were frustrated. They were yep. ready to be home. Yep. And then you have receipts actually from Connor and uh, Paul from the bar. And you can definitely tell from Paul's receipt, it actually he used his mother's credit card, which, again, People on social media, they're very upset that Paul used, that it was almost saying like Maggie agreed to that. But my kids have my, actually one of my credit cards is missing right now because one of my kids has it. So Sometimes, it, I mean, you don't you know don't the situation. Know, you don't know was what they're using it for. Are they, they using yeah. it because they needed gas or yeah, who knows, right? you know, yeah, something not, to eat? I don't think it's a big deal. But he puts a tip for it. The total charge was sixteen fifty, and he puts a tip of $2, but he can't even make the zeros but then he totals it for $20. So he couldn't do his math right, mm. and his signature is a mess. So it doesn't look like he was well. definitely in a good place by looking at the receipts. And then there's a video of taken from the dock of them walking down towards the dock. 
And Paul definitely doesn't seem like he's sure-footed at the time. He seems like he's a little off. But the sad thing, what struck me the most about the video is you see uh, Mallory and Anthony at the back holding hands and just strolling. And it was really sad to think a bad decision getting in a boat with him. Within the next 30 minutes, uh, somebody's going to be dead. Yes. Just to remind people, Anthony is the is a cousin? Anthony was the boyfriend of Mallory, yep. and his cousin was Connor Cook, Cous- whose yes, that's what I say, yeah. girlfriend, uh, Miley, was also right. on the So on Connor's the cousin, Anthony. That's Yes, that's what they're I was trying co- to get to. Yes, yeah. they're cousins. There's also a crude kind of boat drawing of where everyone was sitting on the boat, and you can see Anthony and Mallory were kind of in the back, and... Paul and Connor were close to the helm, and then Morgan and Miley were sitting in front of them. And I'd seen, I think, read in one of the depositions that they were sitting on a cooler together. So they probably had a had a better view. So they, that's where this the at the time of the crash is that what they're saying? The, at the time of the crash, that's and from these reports, we found out also that Paul. Anthony and Mallory were the ones who were ejected from the boat. Uh, Connor, Morgan, and Miley remained on the boat. And Miley said in her statement that she saw the accident coming, so she was able to brace herself, and that's how she remained on the boat. At one point, the word was or was implied that they all got ejected. So now we know that which which helps us figure out at one point we're like, how's there a dry phone if everybody got ejected and that sort of thing? You know, and I don't know. I think I may have just assumed that. I don't I, know that's if what that I mean, was, was implied. So it was implied. Yeah. I don't know if it was, but now it's we have better for yeah. clarification about that. Uh, so they, so, so Paul Mallory, Anthony ejected. Uh, we know that eventually we'll find out that Connor Cook, Anthony Cook, the cousin, uh, ends up with a broken jaw and, he was the one to place the 911 call. He was the one to place the 911 call, which we played. You can go back in one of the earlier episodes and hear that call, which is disturbing. You can hear the girls crying and screaming in the background. There's a whole problem with which bridge they were at. It was a, it was a very foggy night. It was February. It was cold, but Paul was still his, just in boxers because that was his thing that he would do when he would get drunk, we, they say. Well, we also find out that Miley, in her statement, that she walked down the road, and she was actually the person to flag down officers because there was confusion about where they were, and they were trying to get located. And she also says that Paul's main concern was getting in touch with the grandfather, Randolph. And when DNR asked her why, she said, well, you know, this is a quote, well, you know, because they're lawyers and stuff. He wanted him to be there first. So he didn't call his dad is what we... He did call his dad, but he called called his grandfather first. And I mean, maybe he was concerned that he would be in trouble with his father and we'll find out later that it was kind of the other way around, but we'll get to that in a moment. Again, the previous episode, we broke down a lot of what the Buford uh, Sheriff Department employees were, were doing and what the DNR people said in their depositions. You can go back and check that out. One of the things that we have found out since, as far as the documents were released, we get a little bit more on the blood alcohol test. Uh, and where there was confusion on that is... Who gave the test? Who gave them to one? One report says this. One report says the other. Uh, what do you have for us on that? Okay, so he received, Paul received a blood alcohol test at the hospital, and it came out to be a .28, which is more than three times 
the legal limit. That test was administered at 4 a.m., which was about three hours after taking the shot. So obviously it most likely would have been higher. I've read something that I think your blood alcohol level can go up for about 30 minutes after your last consumption. They say about an hour and a half after the crash. Right, so yes. Right, but after his last, reportedly last, the last, last shot drink. was at, yeah. at the bar. Unless they had drinks in the boat, maybe, or something. And the test was ordered by the physician at the hospital because Paul, will go into it later, but Paul was acting so crazy that they thought maybe he had a head injury or something more severe going on that they, they, they felt it warranted to go ahead and test him just to see what was going on. The state and local officers didn't attempt to give Paul a sobriety test. Well, that's a little... Yeah, it's a little unclear. It's it's a little unclear. Um, So what they're saying is the DNR, the initial investigator, wrote that he instructed the agent to administer tests to Paul and Connor. And we reported the last episode, Connor refused the test. Right. And and there was... Documentation. By some reports, confusion, documentation, and some confusion as... They were the only two real people they were considering as drivers. Yes. You only hear the always two names mentioned ever as possible drivers. And Paul had driven the boat, or Connor had driven the boat at Tom's during the evening when Paul had left the helm of the boat to have conflicts with his then girlfriend. Yes. Well, so we know that the investigator says, in it, the DNR investigator says that he instructed the agent to administer tests to Paul and Connor. The agent wrote, that he was only instructed to give the test to Connor. But then the investigator wrote in his report that they both refused tests. So There's a lot of confusion. Somebody's saying, I told him to test both. One person saying, I only was told to test one. And then another person, then they're saying they both refused. So there's a bunch of mess right there. But there's also, Paul told the agent that he wasn't driving. And when we talked to John, he said that that is enough to cause reasonable doubt right okay so i also wanted to mention that mallory beach's boyfriend at the scene was so angry with murdoch after the crash that the two had to be separated and we mentioned that in the previous episode but the boyfriend uh said that bleep needs to rot in bleeping prison so some are saying that should have been a sign that okay go test the guy but again if paul is saying i wasn't driving i guess there can be a conflict there Uh, they also the buford county sheriff's office Declined to give sobriety tests. And in the depositions, they said, hey, it was DNR's game. I think that's true. It yeah. was DNR's game. Yeah. I think they were there to assist, but DNR was had jurisdiction being a boating accident. So I, I think that's absolutely true. And then, of course, at the scene, we mentioned before, it's worth repeating again because we're going to get into this, that an officer actually had to go in Paul's ambulance because the quote was he was acting like a fool. Well, and they actually... Miley, Connor, and Paul all rode in an ambulance together. Which is interesting because they always made it sound, the things you would read and things you would see would say that Paul was acting a fool, but maybe that's still I the think same. he was. I think, yeah, he, he was. I mean, there's all the reports say he was. And Morgan, Paul's then girlfriend, she rode in a sep- separate ambulance and she was the first one to arrive at the hospital. So let's go to the hospital. Are you ready to go to the hospital now? Let's, let's head over to the hospital where the Paul Murdoch and, and the other. Uh, people on the boat are there and it's about 10 minutes later that Paul's father Alec and his grandfather show up because again we know that the grandfather Randolph had been called from the scene probably the dad called too but either way they were there about 10 minutes after they all arrived that's the timeline I have and we now have statements from about nine 
people from the hospital, nine members of the hospital personnel. You have a charge nurse. You have Connor Cook's nurse. You have a security supervisor. You have two security guards. You got Paul Murdoch's nurse. You have a triage nurse. You have the uh, Paul's girlfriend's nurse, Morgan, an ER tech, and there's another nurse. So there's a lot of people with statements about what happened that night at the hospital. And I think the best way to start is just painting the picture of Paul. And by all accounts, Paul was very drunk and belligerent. Well, he came in and just wet boxers. There's that. He showed up in February in wet boxers. Mm -hmm. He was cursing at the staff. Uh, He would disconnect his monitors, even though he told him not to, and walk around, leave his room. Uh, He told one nurse at one point he had five or six beers. Then he changes it to, yeah, I've been drinking and doing drugs all night. Right, which that was kind of interesting because the toxicology report came back only alcohol, but there were no drugs found in his system. So I don't know if he was just so out of his mind. I read in another deposition, I think, that he had done drugs, um, said cocaine. I don't but know. But it wasn't in her body. We, we, but it wasn't. It wasn't on the toxicology yes. report. And so who knows what he said? Because they already but, said, if you read through all these nurses and security guards, there are times where he will say something, and then a few minutes later, he's not even sure what he said. He forgot. And he forgot. his own nurse described him as a, quote, one of the most arrogant teenagers to come through the emergency room. Mm-hmm. That really is saying something right there. And we know from these reports and these statements that Paul would leave his room, as I mentioned, take his monitors off, and he would stroll over to his ex, well, current girlfriend at the time, I guess, his girlfriend's room where she was in the ER. And Morgan would, according to the statements, be kind of bothered by that. Right. I don't think she wanted anything to do with him. And we could talk about Morgan later, but I think she had told a nurse or two that she did not she was going to break up with him. But another thing, so Laura Kent, she was an ER tech, said when she asked him for a urine sample, this is a quote, um, he smiled at me and asked me if I was going to hold it for him. When I went back into his room, he pointed to my butt and said, oh, wow, that's nice. Mm -hmm. And she also reported that he showed, quote, no remorse, quote, no concern about the other voters. So that... This guy is acting like a jerk, and I don't. You don't want to pile on a guy that was murdered, but this needs to be part of the story. The grandfather was quoted by a security guard, and Paul's grandfather, incidentally, was obviously pissed uh, by the reports that we read. Yeah, everyone says he was very agitated, and they said that the father was very calm, but he was pretty irritated. He says he was intoxicated. Paul was intoxicated. Right. He, yes. it, and how, what was his line? Drunk as Cooter Brown. Right. So I looked that up and I was like, what is, I've heard that phrase before, but I didn't really know it. So I just Googled it and saw it on Wikipedia and a few <laughs> other places. So I guess back in the Civil War, there was a guy named Cooter Brown who had relatives on both sides of the fight. So he didn't want to be involved. So instead of being... Picking a side or Picking something. Picking a side, he just decided to be drunk the entire Civil War. So that's where the saying comes so from. So that's where the saying I guess there's a famous bar down in New Orleans named that. And okay. Maybe elsewhere. You. but Nice side tidbit. Yeah. But yeah, the Paul's grandfather was was quoted by a security guard and say Paul was as drunk as Cooter Brown. He also told Paul to shut the bleep up at one point. So Paul is just being a jackass during this whole time. And he's talking a lot. His father is continuing to tell him to make sure he keeps his mouth shut. 
Uh, now, let's speaking of his father, let's go to Alec and what's happening through the statements from the hospital uh, staff. What is his behavior like? I know one of the things is that Alex, Alec Murdoch's behavior is called by one of the nurses, uh, is, is behavior troublesome. And they even told Alec, either leave the ER or stay in your son's room. And he, the nurse even told security to keep an eye on Alec. And that's because he was kind of, uh, I, the way I picture it is him moving around from room to room, trying to find out where the boaters, the other, the other guys are, the kids are. So the, the charge nurse, Linda Blantz, in her statement is quoted saying, she observed Paul's father trying to get into Morgan's room. Ms. Blantz stated that, stated that Paul's father was advised to go back to his son's room or leave the ER. Ms. Blount stated that she smelled alcohol on Paul's father. Ms. Blount said that she told a hospital security guard to keep an eye on room 15, which is where Morgan was, did not want any visitors. Ms. Blount stated that she recalled having to tell Paul's father multiple times to stay in his room. He was even looking at, there's a, there's a board, I guess, that tells you where the kids are, the the ER patients are going, and he was trying to get to look at the board and, and see where everybody was being moved. In fact, he he uh, was able to grab Connor as they were going to give Connor his CT, right, uh, the CT scan, and he stopped Connor. And the quote from Connor's nurse is that Alec told Connor, quote, they were going to figure everything out. Right, and he also spoke with his parents, and that's when, I guess, Connor gave his statement, and he said... I remember seeing the bridge, and that's about it. And there are reports that, I guess, Alec, you know, said that he was in charge of these kids. He he told people that. I know we kind of had a discussion about that. You know, was he helping these kids, or was he yeah. covering for his son? It's, it's uh, you know, there, there you can guess what his motives were, but we don't know what his motives were. It's possible... That he's protecting his son at all costs. He's an attorney, too. It's also possible that he's protecting the kids, not kids, they're young adults, from saying something that might be used against them because they're all drunk, they're all shook up, the cops are interviewing or trying to interview them. Uh, and so, But it's, it's strange because all the nurses, like Paul's nurse is quoted saying, I got the impression that the concern was staying out of trouble yes. rather than what occurred. Right. And But does that mean keeping... Uh, Paul out of trouble or keeping all the kids out of trouble. Exactly. And that's what we don't know. I mean, I think your allegiance obviously would go to your son. That's my inclination, but right. yes, I mean, that's, we that's, don't know. We, we, to, to guess somebody's motive is a little difficult. Uh, you can make that leap. However, we don't know for sure. And he was outside of, he was outside of Morgan's room saying, I need to tell her what to say. Yes. The, the, the dad was the dad was yes. Alec. Alec. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is weird. And we also know that when it comes to Paul's girlfriend, that there's a history of abuse uh, has been reported. We know that on the boat ride uh, that Paul and his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend had a falling, I don't know, a falling out is too nice of a way to say it no i mean he spit on her yeah yes pretty intense did, i don't care did he push her punch her he, i think he pushed her and spit, he on, spit her. on her which isn't we, we we go into that in one of the episodes which is just insanely demeaning so we have to assume that the girlfriend is in the room very concerned with the fact that alec the father of her boyfriend at the time paul is outside and 
Alec and Paul are both roaming around outside the room. She's got to be a little freaked out by that. So you have uh, one of the statements about what was going on. Right. So one of the documents provided by DNR was a statement from Miley's nurse, Hannah Flynn, and she actually overheard a conversation that Mr. Murdoch was having in which he states, and this is a quote, she's gone, baby, she's gone. Miss Finn felt Mr. Murdoch was cold and detached in regards to the victim slash injured. Which is an interesting take because at the time, if you go way back to when we're talking about at the actual accident, Paul seemed to want to get a hold of his grandfather, uh, other than his, before his dad, which makes you think that maybe he thought the grandfather was going to be more sympathetic. Or into, and it turns out at the hospital, it appears that the grandfather, this guy's drunk as Cooter Brown. Telling him to shut the Shut F the bleep up. up you know. and, and the dad, Alec, is the one who seems like he's very even keeled and very in trying to be in control of the situation. So where do we want to go from there? Uh, as far, oh, I do want to mention one thing before we go from there. Paul's uh, nurse heard Alec ask DNR officers multiple times if he had reason to believe Paul was driving the boat. So he was trying to figure out where this was going at that point, at least trying to figure out what information they had. It's clear from everything that everyone involved was clearly very uncomfortable with Alec and the way he was behaving that night. Mm -hmm. That it, the fact no one is reporting anything differently other than that they felt that he was not acting appropriately. They thought he was overstepping, yes. even as even if he was the he wasn't the official of the attorney of anybody but Paul, as far as we know. However, he was by the statements seemingly rather aggressive at getting to these kids and that was causing the nurses and security guards some stress. Right. Well, another thing that I thought was, I think these kids were in shock. They didn't know what they said. Uh, I think the charge nurse said that Morgan, which is Paul's then girlfriend was the most upset, but she, Laura Kent, who was the ER tech said that she kept going back and forth between crying and talking about Mallory and then about completely unrelated things, such as mentioning one of the other police officers was so hot. Um, so and I don't know if that's just the, I think the she was injury in and the shock. shock or... And she's 19 and yes, not... at a crazy night of drinking and carrying on a major accident. And, and they're be also being in influenced by a reportedly very influential person from their mm -hmm. hometown. It doesn't seem like in the document so far that that night there was any real clear statements from anybody on the boat that seemed really, really coherent and straight up. Everybody seemed to be angry or obviously angry and sad and it, it, it's... And concerned it's about not getting it, not getting in trouble and also finding their friend. Yes. Yeah, Mallory, remember that the body uh, took, what, four days? Seven days. Seven days. That's right, seven days uh, to be found. So, yes, there is a lot of stuff going on in this ER. And, in fact, I will, I will uh, say that quote again. How was it described? The I mean, Even though it's a tragic thing, but the des description of the one of the uh, workers there was, uh, was the ER tech, Laura Kent, who described it as a, a weird, corny teen drama. Yeah, it does. You can kind of almost picture it in your head as something surreal. And they probably, it was the middle of the night. They had been out. Yes. They had been involved in an accident. It probably did almost feel like a weird, corny teen movie 
especially probably the way not that, it probably seemed more like a horror story. But. A horror story, yes. I mean, again, the fact that uh, this all happened and then there's still this murder that has not gone anywhere, the investigation, as far as we know, uh, that still, no matter how you feel about Paul uh, and the Murdoch family, Paul Murdoch and Maggie Murdoch, the mom, were murdered. A double homicide. That's not a great story right there for the Murdoch family. It's not like these guys are getting away with something right now, or maybe they were on their way, but this is a tragedy. No, it's a tragedy for everyone involved. It's a tragedy for the Beach family, a, a tragedy yes. for all the kids who were involved in this accident. I mean, in a, watching the video of them coming home, it, in a split second, their lives changed. Yes, and I, I just can't even imagine how they are, are coping with survivor's guilt and guilt of why not even get in the boat because they had been in the at least one of them had been with Paul in a truck at some point. It's mentioned in the in the uh, one of the statements. Yeah, one of the statements said that uh, Morgan had Paul had been involved in another act, uh, another Close. near miss car accident. Yeah, in a where truck she or was. Something. Yeah, where she was in the car truck. So it was it, just a mess, and hopefully the investigators will uh, get to the bottom of this. We painted the picture there for you. The homicides, nothing has come out yet. Uh, any statements about that? The hit and run, which you can hear about with uh, Stephen Smith in one of the episodes, that investigation was reopened, but we have not heard anything about that yet. So those two investigations are out. And also this, invest well, they actually, it's not technically an investigation, I guess, because it's the Connor Cook's family preparing for a possible lawsuit. Uh, right, but also the grand jury, the alleged grand jury. Alleged, So it yes. is, I, I do think it is an investigation. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot of tragedy involved, that is for sure. And a lot of questions. And we will continue to sort through them for you and get them to you. We're taken from all kinds of sources, including the actual documents, which we got, and uh, the Island Packet and Charleston. Preston uh, Courier. Yes, uh, and uh, Fitz News, we've... So, they're, they're all uh, doing some reporting, and we're bringing it all to you. We hope you enjoy it, and we hope to have more answers and another episode uh, coming soon. Thank you again for your amazing support. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. Ohio is a land of mystery, from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com